And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of the Morning Rush, which you can catch every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on ESPN Arkansas. You can also check out our website at hitthatline.com for all types of great interviews, articles, podcasts, videos, whatever it is dealing with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Be sure to check it out at hitthatline.com. We're going to get into Arkansas and LSU baseball. Arkansas getting the big series victory. We're going to get into that, as well as an interesting conversation dealing with competitive culture and how it's bad. Interesting enough. And, of course, it's since it's a Monday edition of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast, I will be getting into my Game of Thrones recap from last night's episode. But we will start with Arkansas baseball getting the series victory over the LSU Tigers. And it's they got two out of three. Should have been a sweep. But, uh, you know, with a three-run shot hit in the eighth inning where Arkansas is up two to nothing, LSU ends up getting the victory three to two. Um, you know, it was – it's just like one of those things that's frustrating because it's like you should have swept them, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to have any hindrance of what Arkansas is going to get as far as seeding goes or postseason play or anything like that. It doesn't change my mind on how good this team is or what this team is capable of. It was just one of the things that would have been a nice little icing on the cake uh, to get the victory against LSU. But uh, nonetheless, you still get the victory. And, you know, that's it's been that way since really the beginning of last week where it wasn't about getting a sweep. It wasn't about, you know, just going out and completely dominating LSU, although you'd love to see that. It's just about getting series victories. And Arkansas has one left this weekend against Texas A&M in College Station, and just the more and more we see this team play, the more and more fun they are to watch, the more and more you feel confident about their ability to not only get into uh, a regional, super regional, and do well there, but also get back to Omaha in the College World Series and even cause some damage there. And it kind of gives a feeling of like this team has been playing with house money all season long. It was a team that didn't have a lot of expectations, that was going into this year as a good team. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I think that there was a, a form of expectations, but as far as the expectation from the previous year, it, it was lowered significantly. I don't think anybody in their right mind felt like this Arkansas baseball team was going to be able to do what last year's team did, at least not at the high level that they're doing it at right now. I mean, you're seeing this team have a good chance, a really good chance, of getting 40 regular season victories, 20 conference regular season conference victories. I mean, that is big time. And if you look at Dave Van Horn's history at Arkansas, that's never been done, not in the regular season at least. So there is going to be a lot of first with this team already, and they're still not done yet. If they end up getting the series victory against Texas A&M this weekend, then I, I, still, I feel like they've wrapped up the national seed as it is. But uh, tomorrow or this weekend will really show, okay, if you get the series victory, then you may be you get the three seed. I mean, it just depends on how you do in the SEC tournament. But, I mean, that's how confident I am of where they're at and what the uh, committee is going to be looking at as far as uh, Arkansas goes. But it's a house money season. This team that didn't have a lot of returning players or at least key players from last year, you know, it's, it's like the pressure is not really on them. They don't play with a sense of like, okay, crap, we got to make sure that we show out here. You know, I think back to, I'm trying to remember, I believe it was the 09 season. I mean, it was the, no, it was the 2010 season for Razorback baseball, 
where they were preseason number one in the country. Preseason number one. Uh, they had a lot of expectations. They had guys like Brett Eibner and Zach Cox coming back from a team that just that made it to the College World Series. You know, there was a lot of expectations that were thrown that was thrown on that team. And when it came along with the preseason number one ranking, the team didn't live up to it. They struggled at times. I think it was the first uh, series. They either lost it to like Western Illinois or something like that, or, or lost one game really badly. It was something that was just not right from the get go. And I apologize. I'm just trying to remember it off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. But it was like the expectation was just too much for them to handle. It was, it was not saying that that team was mentally soft. It was just they felt like they were always having to go out and prove themselves every single game and every single series and have to showcase their talents instead of just going out and playing baseball, going out and having fun with it. That's just the vibe you got from that team. But with this year's team, where a lot of those players were on the College World Series team last year that made the finals, you have the experience, but you also have a bunch of guys that's just, you know, last year was last year. It happened, came and went. You've forgotten about it. Let's move on and see what we can do this year. Let's play some baseball, which is the type of team you want to have. You want to have a team that just plays baseball. You know, it's not like where you're constantly feeling on edge with this team. You're constantly feeling a vibe of, oh, man, you know, they, they, they got to make sure that they are mentally prepared for this game or they got to make sure that, you know, th this particular player doesn't have to make a clutch hit or this particular pitcher is going to have to get called in in this particular situation. I mean, there's, there's none of that. You feel like this team is just going out and they're playing baseball. And that's what I love about this team, and that's what most people love about this baseball team. They have some really good guys that have really worked on their power. I think that that's probably been the biggest surprise this year is the amount of home runs that they're hitting. Uh, not And not even just home runs. I mean, if you think about the extra bases that they're getting, their sluggage percentage is, is through the roof. I mean, it's great. And so all these surprises that are coming along with this team, people are wondering where it came from and how it happened. I think, of course, you could just say Dave Van Horn and every answer will be correct. And, and that's a big part of it. But I think that it, it goes along with the expectation that was set on this team. And it's like, hey, man, just, just go out and play. Don't worry about having to get back to where you were last year. Don't worry about the top 25 rankings. Don't worry about where you are seated in the SEC tournament. Don't worry about any of those things. One game at a time. One game at a time. That's good coach speak to hear. They have a lot of coaches that will speak that way. And Dave Van Horn has spoke that way all this season. But the difference is, at least with me, is that Dave Van Horn is pretty genuine when it comes to how he approaches his team. He doesn't give you the same line every single time. He may not be the most intriguing and interesting person to listen to, but he doesn't give you the same regurgitated line all the time just because he wants an easy answer that's not going to cause any problems. I think that legitimately you have a team that is just wanting to play baseball and wanting to take every single game at a, at a time, a single game at a time. I mean, it's just uh, it's just all that thing. So, you know, I'm just looking at everything in a point in case of how things are going to go and how things are looking under Dave Van Horn, and I like it. I like what this baseball team has been able to do. So, either way, it, it looks good. It looks good, and it looks like uh, Dave Van Horn once again finds another series victory against LSU. Can he do it again against Texas A&M this weekend? Time will tell, but you know what? I really like his chances because he hasn't proven you wrong or proven me wrong just yet.
Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, moving on into the next segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Uh, you know, this isn't necessarily sports-related in the same fashion that you would see me talk about and discuss in other podcasts, but I do believe that uh, this is something worth mentioning because it's a storyline that has really caught a lot of people's attention, especially on social media, and it, it's just it's something that I'm really disappointed by. And I'll just give you kind of the rundown and and what it means and, and the, some of the reactions that I have and what people have had. And this is in Mason, Ohio, all right, where this storyline takes place in Mason, Ohio. Mason High School students will no longer vie for valedictorian or salutatorian. Hope I'm saying that right. I'm yeah, salutatorian. Distinctions in an effort to reduce the overall competitive culture between students. Apparently, the high school will do away with the valedictorian and salutatorian in 2020. School official says it follows a year-long study of focus groups with students, staffers, and families. Quote, it's about what it means to be happy and what it means to be successful. And it's not just about the grade, but it's about the whole child. End quote. Associate Principal Shanna Bummiller said. Mason school officials made the announcement Thursday as part of an effort to improve students' mental wellness. This is also coming from a Mason High School sophomore, Ryan Griffin, where he says, quote, I think in the long run it will really change the atmosphere in the school of the school in a positive way. There's more to the article, but I honestly can't even to get, begin to continue to discuss it without making myself sick. Uh, I, am, I saw this, and, you know, it was just – it was really disappointing because actually Baker Mayfield, the Cleveland Browns quarterback, was the one that originally quote tweeted this. And, you know, again, this has nothing necessarily to do with sports specifically or even Razorback sports, which I know this is a Razorback podcast. And if you're listening to this and you probably have no care, you just want to hear about Razorback sports, I understand that. And you'll get that uh, most of the time. But sometimes I just want to be able to relay a message of something that I care dearly about, which is what this is. Competitiveness, folks, is something that drives us all to better ourselves. And I don't think I'm shocking anybody with those comments. I, I don't think that people who listen to this podcast have any issues with competitiveness because this is a podcast about sports, more often than not, dealing with competitiveness and a competitive nature and a competitive culture. And it's really disappointing to see people, and especially in the roles of educators look at a competitive culture as a bad thing i'll never understand that and it's amazing how we've gotten to this point to where competitiveness in some views not everybody's view but in some views is considered a negative folks competitiveness is what our lives are in every aspect it's competitive we are jobs we are competitive in and, and, and that's the thing is like we have different forms of jobs. Some of you may be doctors. Some of you may be engineers. Some of you may be lawyers or, you know, something. That, and you may even have to be as extravagant as that. Some of you just may be in sales, maybe in business. Some of you may be in advertising. You know, there's different avenues and different ways that we are in our jobs, at least, competitive. We compete against other companies and other businesses. We compete against other individuals that are trying to take business, take business from us. And what makes our business better? What makes our business and our way of doing things better than the other guy? 
well, it's because of A, B, and C, and X, Y, and Z. It's really better because of this. And then we continue to research, and we can continue to talk to the customers and talk to the people we're doing business with to find out what we can do to be better to keep ourselves or to keep those people from going elsewhere. Folks, that's competitiveness, and that's just in our job. We have probably competed at a very high level and one that we have found ourselves very involved in, emotionally invested in, when it comes to, say, meeting your spouse, your girlfriend, your fiancé, your wife. You can't tell me that there was never a competitive nature in that fact. Now, some of you may have just been able to fall in love and it was pretty easy, and, and that's great. That's grand and that's wonderful. But there's a lot of people, a lot of us, who had to compete after a woman. The same woman, a woman that may have been trying to go after from one of our friends or somebody we knew, somebody trying to date them, or you knew that your girl, it was going to be a hot commodity if she was single, so you had to make sure that you, you know, make sure you got that and you roped it down and you're like, hey, this is mine, all right, you know, back away, this is my claim right here. I mean, and that's just in your love life, like, and I'm bringing up these examples because I feel like it's very important that we all understand that competitiveness and a competitive culture is vital to who we are. And the second that we never no longer have a competitive nature to ourselves is the day we stop living. Like this life is competitive. Survival of the fittest. We want to be the best we can in everything, and that's where competitiveness is born. And when I see a high school in the education and, and saying that they're doing away with the, the top awards and the, and the top claims that you can have academically in a high school because of the competitive nature is a negative. I, I fear for what those kids will become or what they expect the real world to be. Like when you get out there in the real world to, to do business or to, to have a job or whatever it is, no one's going to feel sorry for you. Someone else is going to try to take what you have or take what you're doing because that's life. It'll be, you're doing a, an injustice to these kids. And having that sort of mentality is just, it's poor. It's a poor mentality. It's a poor way of thinking. And it's, it's a poor just overall mindset that people like Mason High School have and that people who agree with Mason High School have. And I just really hope that in our areas and where I live and, and my kids when they go to school and, you know, when we get to that point and when I have to have the talks with them about competitiveness and having to be the best, I hope that they're not having to go to a school where everybody's treated the same way based on of, well, if even if you're smarter, even if you have better grades, even if you're, you're, you're the one putting in all the work and all the effort and you're reaping the rewards from it all, we're actually not going to reward you for it. I don't want to have a, a, a child that plays in some competitive sport and puts in the practices and, and goes to the voluntary workouts and really masters their craft to where the season starts. And it's like, well, we know you did all of that. We know that you're the best, but we're not going to give you the starting position. We're all going to play at the same. We're going to play the same amount of time. We're not going to give you that benefit. That's not a world I want to live in, folks. And I hope that's not a world that you want to live in. I hope that you all can agree with me that competitive nature, competitive culture is vital to who we are as human beings. And it should never, ever, ever be ridiculed, criticized, 
or put down because of what people perceive competitiveness to be. You're crippling children. You're crippling society if you get rid of competitive nature. Shame on Mason High School. And shame on anybody that agrees with it. Sports are great. Razorback football is great, man. Razorback basketball. Razorback baseball. Razorback sports are great. And you know what makes them great? Is it because they're competitive. And without competition, I wouldn't have a job. And honestly, you wouldn't either. Let competitiveness sort out who the best of the best is. And let competitiveness sort out the worst of the worst. May the best man or woman win. Survival of the fittest. And stay competitive out there, folks. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, final segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Game of Thrones last night, folks. Season 8, Episode 5, the second to last episode of the entire series. And I'm going to try to, again, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it, I haven't listened to it or whatever, don't listen to this part of the podcast, but spoiler alert. I thought the episode was really good. It was really good, really well done. I thought the uh, the action scenes were great. The production of it was great. Um. But I got to say, folks, that I'm starting to really become disappointed. I'm disappointed with the outcomes of characters. I'm disappointed with the rushed writing, as it feels. Uh, I'm disappointed with the lack of innovation and imagination when it comes to the actual story arc and how everything's going to end. I'm just all disappointed in it. And it's not to say that this is bad television or that... Game of Thrones this season just sucks and it's awful and it's unwatchable. That's not the case at all. It's it's more just a personal preference for me and knowing what the expectation has been set by these writers and what it was for seasons upon seasons upon seasons, it's to see it go this way and with only one episode left in the whole series, for it to be this way and have gone this way has been... It's been a pretty epic disaster from that standpoint. I still have enjoyed it. And again, I want to reiterate that. I have still have enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the episodes. I've enjoyed television. It's kept me on the edge of my seat. And I appreciate that. And I enjoy that. But it's all feeling very rushed, very forced, and just very disappointing. When you have that many characters that you have to find some way to close up their entire story arc and try to find it in doing it the right way I more, more often than not it's not going to work out it, it's just not more often than not it's going to become just a just something that they're trying to do fan service for but also trying to take the easy way out low hanging fruit if you will like if you can just make some awesome action scenes with the dragons and you can make an awesome action scene with Arya and you can make an awesome action scene with uh with all with the hound and, and like all these things it's like as long as you can do that then the rest of it's fine and, and that's all you care about and that's all people care about and i've just been disappointed in it uh, but it, it's cuz my expectation was high i felt like if you had 2 years to write something 2 years to write the final season 
You had pretty much an unlimited budget. I can't imagine that HBO said, hey, no, 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 we're not going to spend too much money on the final season. I, I can't imagine that. You had you had all the things at your disposal, and it's just this is what you've come up with. If you needed if you, you needed more time, you needed 10 episodes. You didn't need six. You needed 10. 10 hour to hour and a half long episodes to try to make everybody's end legitimate to make the story progress in a way that was as up to the same level that you had in the first few seasons to actually explain things more to have build up the things more develop things more and you don't everything has been rushed it's like things that would take an episode to explain or to build up is now you're trying to get done within five minutes and that just does not make for good good television and good writing um, so from that aspect, I've been disappointed. I'm hoping that the ending is, is better. I'm hoping that there's something that just blows my mind in the final episode of this whole series, but I have a feeling that it won't. Um, I like the Clegane bowl. Finally, that, that was pretty good. I thought that was good. Some people were upset by that, but I thought it was good because that was the only way it could end. I was, I was okay with that. I was, uh, I was even okay with, the the craziness that Daenerys has, has happened to her because she has nobody else, nobody else to keep her in check or keep her in line. She has just uh, she's lost all of her advisors, all the people she cares about. So all of her impulses, her worst impulses, uh, she's going with, which has been problematic. So like I get that, uh, I, I get all of these things. It's just the only, my biggest gripe about this past episode was that Cersei died in a way that I didn't feel like it was fitting. She didn't need to die just crying in the cellar with Jamie with the rubble coming on top of him. Like, that's, no, no, no. For all this stuff that this woman has done, for, for all the craziness she's gone through, it should have been a lot more epic than that. Somebody should have murdered her one-on-one. And whether it was Daenerys or Arya or Jamie or whoever, even Tyrion, it needed something better than that. And so I was disappointed by the death of Cersei. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm just trying to figure out... I'm trying to be optimistic. I really am. I'm trying to be optimistic about it, but I just haven't found really anything that... I'm, I'm running out of hope. <laughs> I've been really optimistic about it, but I'm running out of reasons. I'm running out of excuses. And if this, past, if this last episode does not end in a way that can really fix some of the glaring issues that they've had this season, then it's going to be one of the massive and epic disappointments in television history for one of the greatest and most well-written shows of all time. Uh, I'm hoping for the best, folks, but I'm just not feeling too good right now. That is for sure. Well, appreciate everybody listening into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at RushJohnNavers for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. And we'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel. Tomorrow afternoon, have a great day, everybody. We will see you then. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 